This is Deep Dive. I'm Sui. Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva is in China for his fifth visit to the country. He's accompanied by dozens of government officials and more than 200 business leaders. In his first stop in Shanghai, Lula attended the inauguration ceremony for his compatriot Dilma Rousseff as the new head of the New Development Bank. The bank is for the BRICS, a collective of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Lula took the stage and questioned the dominance of the U.S. dollar. Every night I ask myself why all countries are forced to do their trade backed by the dollar. Why can't we do our trade backed by our currency? Why are we not committed to innovating? This is not Lula's first time to suggest a non-dollar trading currency for the world. In January, he proposed the possibility for a common currency for BRICS and the Southern Common Market. And now Brazil is moving towards that direction and away from the US dollar. A recent deal with China allows them to trade directly in each other's currencies. In fact, just this Wednesday, China's largest commercial lender, ICBC, announced they successfully handled the first cross-border yuan settlement transaction with Brazil. Why is that? For Brazil, what prompted the country in deciding to use RMB and RIAS instead of US dollar for trade with China? For this, I spoke with Karen Moy, a journalist based in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. This episode is brought to you on Friday, April the 14th. How is the economic situation like in Brazil? Like, what are the major challenges Brazil is facing? Uh, firstly, we've just had a major change of government. Uh, Bolsonaro is no longer in charge, uh, president of Brazil. So there, there is, we're undergoing enormous policy changes at the moment, which is also making things quite unstable. Uh, and a lot of investment has gone flowing out of Brazil in the last few months because of this instability. But speaking on a more general level, and it's interesting because the Treasury Minister, Fernando Haddad, was at the World Economic Forum in Davos just in January, speaking about the challenging financial outlook that Brazil is facing. Uh, and one of the biggest elements of that at the moment are the proposed high levels of social spending, which our new left-wing government are proposing. So there's a there's a huge need to balance the accounts at the moment, and particularly to impose regulatory measures on credit and simplify Brazil's very, very bureaucratic business system. We have, compared to Europe, actually, our inflation is not outrageously high at the moment, but we do have extremely high interest rates here, which is something like, I think, we're above 14% at the moment. We have uh, a very unstable credit system for businesses. And also the other thing which is unusual in this country, when you're talking from a European or American perspective, or probably even a Chinese perspective, is that the major tax burden in this country is borne by the middle classes. And what that means is that clearly the majority of business leaders are middle class. But also it means that the, the tax income within Brazil is only available from a small 
proportion of the population. You know, more than 60% of, uh, or let's say more than 50% of Brazilians are very poor. And then we have the super rich who don't pay any tax either. The poor don't pay any tax and the super rich don't pay any tax. So, so this is a, a fundamental structural economic problem for Brazil. The other problem that we do have at the moment is that we desperately need to attract investment, which, as I have said, has in the last two or three years have, has been flooding out of Brazil. And Brazil, as a producer, relies very heavily on the production of and the export of raw commodities. So we're talking about things like agricultural products um, and petroleum, particularly, those kind of things. So Brazil is also facing great vulnerability during the last year or two, particularly with the uh, war in Ukraine, because of the extreme fluctuation of raw commodity prices within the world economy. Mm. And also apart from uh, the Ukraine issue, people have been talking about the spillover effect of the strong U.S. dollar. Uh, it's being blamed for the economic difficulty in some uh, particularly developing countries. So how big of a role did this play in Brazil? Well, at the moment, it's playing a very big role because, you know, what what's being said in Europe and the United States is that the era of cheap borrowing, i.e. very low interest rates, is over. As in the United States, in my home country, England, or the UK, I should say, interest rates are also rising, which is bumping up, in America's case, is bumping up the value of the dollar. Now, the, the world's economy runs 90% of world trade is made using the American, the US dollar. So every fluctuation, every variation in that, in the value of that currency affects economies around the world. And Brazil, again, is particularly uh, vulnerable to that effect as well. Almost all of our trade is done in dollars. We import a huge amount of, of product our balance of payments is actually in the black, but that's always a little on the edge as well. So for example, uh, recently, for example, and particularly because of the war, fertilizer prices have gone up 40%. Those imports have to be paid for in US dollars. Um, and Brazil imports 85% of the fertilizer that it uses. And we use a huge amount, amount of fertilizer here because we have a massive agricultural economy. So that's just one example of how of the huge impact that any variation in the US dollar would have for us. Eggs are very expensive. These that you see here, the big eggs are very expensive. So I'll take the medium ones. It takes me two or three weeks to use them all. In Brazil, the rising cost of eggs is not due to the bird flu. Rather, it can be attributed to the escalating costs of corn soybeans, which account for over 70% of the expenses incurred in the production of poultry, eggs and pork. One way I can think of to dodge the fluctuation of exchange rates is to settle cross-border trade with each other's currencies. We know China and Brazil have already agreed to do so. So how does it work? I mean, how does it work and day by day, trading directly in the Chinese yuan and ditching the US dollar in the middle? Well, in fact, this new accord was only signed. It was actually agreed on, on the 31st of 
January this, of this year. But it was only signed less than two weeks ago at the Chinese Brazil Business Forum, which took place in. Mm. So it's kind of half in place at the moment, although many of the elements are not quite there yet. But the idea behind it is this 90% of world trade is carried out using the US dollar. What the agreement between the Chinese and Brazilian governments has been is this the, the Bank of China and the Bank of Brazil have agreed that they will set up effectively a clearing bank. China will have a clearing bank here in Brazil. They will use the Chinese cross-border interbank payment system, which is called CIPS, C-I-P-S, which is a, a, a Chinese version of SWIFT, which is the internationally recognized payment system across borders. And that will be used to support trade settlements between China and Brazil in Yen. So what will happen is that, for example, when Brazilian exporters sell their products in China, they will be paid in Yen. That currency will come into their Brazilian bank accounts hmm. and it will pass through the Chinese clearinghouse, which is in, based in Rio de Janeiro, and they will receive Brazilian currency in return. Which is called Hian. How do Brazilian companies say about this? I mean, what could be the negative side of this? I mean, change is never easy. Ditching the U.S. dollar. No, it's not easy. But I mean, there are skeptics who see a number of problems with it. I've looked into this quite carefully because the Brazilian central bank has, take, has taken responsibility for this. You know, the systems are at the moment being put in place. In financial terms, it's a pretty safe system. I mean, there's nothing that can go wrong. For example, the Brazilian exporters won't suddenly lose their money. And in actual fact, the payment system for them will become much quicker because it will no longer be a three-step process. It will only be a two-step process because the exchange to the dollar and then from the dollar will be taken away. And also, one of the other positive things for smaller Brazilian exporters will be that they will now actually have access to smaller Chinese businesses because within the Chinese structural system, economic and, and trading structural system, you have to be a fairly big, fairly powerful company to have access to the doorway in China that allows you into the international trading monetary system mm -hmm. and allows you access to trading dollars. And so for the smaller companies, in China, they don't, they're not able to access dollars in order to buy imports for them from Brazil. Mm. And this system will allow them to do that. So it is being seen quite positively at the moment. And the other thing, the other super positive thing that's being talked about here is the fact that eventually this bilateral monetary system will also give Brazilian businesses here access to investment within the Chinese banking system, mm. which is something that is seen as being very significant here, because given the simplicity of many of the infrastructural systems that we have here in Brazil, particularly in terms of technology and transport, investment is something that is very, very much needed here. So I think that it's, I think that this whole system will be a very positive once it's up and running and it's something that's that obviously it will take time to become the most commonly used system but i think that it will be a very positive 
for Brazilian businesses and the Brazilian economies. Mm, very interesting. So, in general, how important is the Chinese market for Brazilian companies, either to trade goods or to invest? Which makes the government believe uh, trading uh, using the local currency is a is, is a good move. Chinese market is hugely important for Brazil, both in terms of exports and in terms of investment from Chinese companies into Brazilian businesses and in particularly Brazilian infrastructure. Brazilian exports exports to China in 2022 last year reached 90 million US dollars, mm. and the imports reached 60 billion. US dollars. So there is a, we're in the black by 30 billion US dollars, which is a pretty good situation to be in. Tá tudo bem encaminhado para que essa safra 2020-2023 a gente consiga fechar. We are projecting that for the 2023 harvest, we will export between 100 and 200 containers per week to the Chinese markets, not counting other Asian markets that are also interested in our products. We start of a very small volume that we were trading with the Chinese market. Right now, China is representing for us more than 40% of our total volumes, exceeding 5.3 million tons. China is, the, is a booming market. Uh, used to be a high growth market. Now it's more than that. It's a high quality market as well. And also Brazil receives more Chinese investment than any other country in the world. In 2022, Chinese companies invested almost six billion US dollars into Brazilian businesses, which was actually a, a 2,000, a 200% and so 200% increase from the previous year, which was still showing signs of a downturn um, coming out of the pandemic. So it's incredibly important. And we know the Brazilian president this week is in China. So from the perspective of Brazilian government, what plans does the government have in mind to expand trade and investment with China? Well, Lula has gone to China with a huge number of people. I think there are something like 240 politicians and business leaders who've gone with him. The Ministry for Treasury there is there, the, the Minister for the Environment is there, and also the Minister for Science and Technology. They are there to try to make as many deals. I think they've already signed 20 deals. Mm. Those deals are concerned both trade and investment. It's seen as a very, very, very important um, step for Lula. And also he is there at the moment, he's in the process of trying to show himself as a, a global leader in diplomacy as well, and kind of stepping out onto the power stage, as it were, the world power stage. So it's a very important move for him as well. You know, both countries are, are keen to see an end to the control that the US wields in terms of its use of its dominant currencies. I mean, I was speaking to uh, Isabel Nuaga, who's a very uh, well-respected Brazil-China expert here in Rio de Janeiro. She's based at the Federal University. So in a way, it seems, from her perspective at least, that China is trying to carve a small trench to confront the power of the dollar. And, uh, and Brazil is very, very happily entering into that because China has already established clearing banks in 25 other countries. I mean, it's not something that it's, it's not a new thing that it's doing here in Brazil at all. 
Not only Brazil, some other countries are also making moves away from the U.S. dollar trading system. Days ago, a French company settled an export deal of liquefied gas in Chinese yuan. Also on Wednesday, ASEAN countries discussed the possibility of reducing their use of the U.S. dollar, euro, yen, and pound. They want to move to local currencies. The U.S. dollar once accounted for 70% of foreign exchange reserves. So far, its portion has fallen to less than 60%. And as U.S. Senator Marco Rubio told Fox News, they're not happy about it. We won't have to talk about sanctions in five years because there'll be so many countries transacting in currencies other than the dollar that, that we won't have the ability to sanction them. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you like what you just heard, you can follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Sui, and my colleagues Fei Fei and Zhang Zhang. Special thanks to journalist Karen Moy, based in Brazil. I will see you in the next one.